thank you that your word is wisdom. And in you is the key to all life, all wisdom, all knowledge, all understanding. Your word says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, God. We come before your word in true reverence and fear. Not of trembling and, and afraid, but fear that we might miss something good. May our life be the testimony, the story of a changed life. Our lives are in such need of change, God. May you give us the wisdom to do this. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So the last couple of weeks, we seem to have turned a corner, so to speak, where we had to find application for the word in our life. And what was a little weird about that at first was thinking to yourself, well, why would I have to find application? Why doesn't it just find itself in there? And there's a, a very important reason. Because as you grow and learn, you're going to learn. Like, uh, if you're new to, to, to our Bible studies, um, there's 31 Proverbs. There's 31 days in, month, in months. 30, 31, 28, 29, and leap year for February. We understand that. But... Every day you read a proverb, and you'd think after a couple of years, it'd get kind of boring and be like, well, I already read that. But the magic, the wonder, the mystery of proverbs is every new day that a new situation, a new circumstance happens in your life, you'll find like, like, like a shifting game of checkers, man. It's like everything falls into place so different, like, wow. That proverb that I've read 50 times all of a sudden fits in my life and this new thing that just happened to me. Some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about and I totally understand because if you're not reading the proverbs every day, not only you're not getting all the wisdom that God has for you to get, you don't know what I'm saying. But the word of God is alive and the way you find out is alive by every day letting that life exist and dwell in you. And the way you do that is by reading it every day. Now you can read the Bible. There's, um, there's Bible studies you can go through. And if you want to sit down with me, I'll give you my Bible study. And a bunch of us do the same thing. Um, there's yearly Bibles. You can pick up a Bible that gives you the yearly, um, every day you read a section of it. And at the end of the year, you, um, you've read the whole thing. And a lot of people do that. And I actually have some of those devotions in my, in my office if you need one. I'll gladly give it if you're going to use it. But for my money, reading Proverbs and Psalms every day is a must and essential. I gain so much. I've gotten, I've gotten so much wiser as a human being from doing that. And it's given me wisdom not only from the circles of Christianity that I, I traverse, but just in life and in business. It, it's just, it's life-changing for sure. You'll see what I mean and you'll see why I mean it. Chapter 24, verse 1. Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their heart devises violence, and their lips talk of trouble troublemaking. Growing up, most guys, I don't know if ladies do the same, I'm, I'm sure they do. <coughs> we looked at the guys in the, um, in the street, in the, in the world, that had everything. They were rich and they were famous. They had all the fine women and all the fine vehicles and and, and that's who we wanted to be like. Here the Bible says, do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their heart devises violence, and their lips talk of troublemaking. 
I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Through wisdom, verse 3 and 4 are prayers that I pray. All of my, grand, all of my children that have their own homes right now, I, every single day I pray this over them. My son-in-law and my daughter Elena in Austin, my son-in-law and my uh, Drew and, and Arlie and, and Matt and, and Ashlyn. Every day that I'm praying for them, I pray this verse over their home. This is, a, this is a promise to hold on to. This is something to call out to God and to pray over your home. Through wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, there's something about this verse that always messes me up. I can never remember it verbatim. I mean, I, there's some chapters I remember the whole thing, but I can never remember this verse. So I'm always saying, God, through wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, fill Arlie and Drew's house with all pleasant and precious riches. It's a great prayer to pray over your house. It's a great prayer that you can pray over somebody else's house. Knowledge, understanding, wisdom will fill your home with precious and pleasant riches. Great prayer. Verse 5, a wise man is strong. Now, you have to read this with inflection because it's almost answering a question that wasn't asked, but it is asked. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. Emphasis mine, obviously. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Some people want to work out, you want to train, you want to do this, you want to do that. You want to find your strength in something? You want to really find your strength someplace? Wise man. A wise man is strong. A wise man is strong. A man of knowledge increases strength. Listen, if you're going into some kind of, if you're about to buy a house and you're going through the financing stage and you're going through all of that stuff, man, let me tell you something. You could work out with all the weight you want. It ain't going to help you when that closing rolls around, will it? You're in the midst of a tough time in your marriage. You can go to the gym all you want and start that revenge body. You can do that. But you want to know what's going to help you most? To be wise. A wise woman is strong. You guys got that one? Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. It used to be at the gates of the city, the people, the philosophers, the wise guys would all sit around and talk about, oh, I came up with a, a new hypothesis, a new theory. I came up with something new today. I want to share it with everybody. And here he's saying, stupid people don't talk to nobody. They're fools. They take counsel in their own head. They don't ask for advice. I've used this analogy. I had two professors, the most influential professors in jiu-jitsu, in jiu-jitsu, we call them professors because, listen, it takes eight, nine years to become a black belt, man. It's like more than any school you can go to. But one of them always said, this won't work. This won't work. I said, man, I was in bed and I was dreaming 
I was in somebody's garden. I thought about... And for you guys that don't know, that's what happens. When you start doing jujitsu, it gets in your head. You start dreaming about it. You start thinking about it. It's the stupidest thing in the world. I have a friend of mine who has something he calls the shower choke. Like, how can you, what do you mean? Why do you call it the shower choke? He's, I was in the shower, and I was thinking about grabbing somebody from behind him. So he calls it the shower choke. Jiu-jitsu is like, am I, am I wrong, jiu-jitsu players? You start dreaming about it, thinking about it. All of a sudden, you, you have an epiphany about jiu-jitsu. Anyway, point being, what was my point? I had two senseis, two, two professors. And one of them would always say, this never work. This don't work. This don't work. This don't work. Oh, no, but I had this thought if this don't work. But then I had another one. And every time you asked him anything, he would say, show me this. One guy was a fool, and one guy was a genius. One guy was good at jiu-jitsu, another guy was great at jiu-jitsu. Guess which one was great? The guy that said, show me this. Always wanted to see it. And here, this is what, this is exactly what it is. Man, open your mouth in the gate. Gain this wisdom. Talk to people. Fools don't listen to nothing. Like, I don't care whether you're 7 or 70. And it's never too late. That can't teach an old dog new tricks. Man, I hate the fact that that's true. Because some of you are, I know it all. I know it all. Man, you know, there's, there's Sanford and Son. There's only one thing worse than a young fool. That's an old fool. Fred, you're an old fool. Verse 8. He who plots to do evil will be called a schemer. So now we start to also see that you will interpret words. This scoffer is called this. This is called this. People who plot evil, you know what they, they're called? Schemers. The guy's a schemer. He's always plotting something. The devising of foolishness is sin and the scoffer is an abomination to men. Not only should you not let your thoughts... How many of you guys get lost in your thoughts sometimes? Like, <coughs> good, I'm not the only one. I've, I've used this analogy before. It's the craziest thing. Um, my daughters or my son, they get a cold. Give me for instance. Last night me and Joy went over uh, Arlie's house because Rayleigh's got a little fever. And we went over there, and we put a little nebulizer, breathing thing on her. And, and I'm sitting there looking at her, and she's just so miserable. I fell about, oh, she's so hot. And it's like, maybe she's cutting teeth. Oh, no, I don't think she's cutting teeth. Oh, they always get fever when they're cutting. Oh, and just, I'm sitting there, and, 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 and just looking at the kid. And I didn't just, like, I somehow wound up ordering chairs because we're going to need more chairs at our funeral. Like, how did I get here? You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, I hope she don't go to sleep tonight, and maybe her throat will close up, and if her throat closes up, oh, my goodness, she's going to die, and nobody's going to die. And said, we have to order chairs because there's not enough here. You do that? Okay, okay. It's terrible, but on a show of hands, who does that here? Okay, I'm not the only one. Okay. Do you do the same thing? Oh, my goodness, I hate it. My father was so given in his la latter days 
that he couldn't even go to my son's tournaments, the jiu-jitsu wrestling. Oh, he's going to break his neck. Oh, I can't watch this. Oh, why do I come here? <laughs> if you faint in the day of adversity, verse 10, your strength is small. Now, the day of adversity is when people come against you. We were at the beach on Sunday night, and uh, I was thinking to you, Mike, remember that, that dude that drove up in a motorcycle that you went to pray? He shows up again as we're leaving. And it's me and Drew and Austin and uh, Marty, you with us? At, we're walking, and he wants, hey, do you know what chapter 6 of this says? And I told the guy, don't engage him. I said to him, the Lord rebuke you. I don't bring a reviling word against you. The Lord rebuke you. I said, get behind me. You're not mindful of things of, 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 of God. You're mindful of things of man. Oh, no, I was just wanting. No, 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 no. Awesome. Don't do it. Don't, don't. In the day of adversity, when something comes against you, whether it's work, whether it's spiritual, whether it's marriage, if you faint, that word faint isn't uh, faint, it's to shrink back. Who is in you is greater than who is in this world. Never let it be said that we faint in the day of adversity. Whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, we are not failures. The righteous may fall seven times and rise again. The greatest thing about Christians is you knock us down, we get better. And we keep getting up. As Rocky said in the last Rocky movie, it's not how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get back up. Right? Rocky 28, I think it was. Well, how was, was this the final, uh, is this the final rehearsal or is there another one? Today was the last one? How'd it go? Good? I got the thumbs up back there. I didn't, who needs you? If you faint in the day of adversity, you're strengthened. So what, what, what's, the, what's the question? What's the answer then if you faint in the day of adversity? Well, everything always goes back to your foundation. Why are you failing? And what are you failing in? Are you not studied enough? And when I mean studied, if you're at work and somebody asks a question you can't answer and you fail in that, your strength is small. He's almost my, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Be prepared for everything that comes before you. This is not just spiritual. Even though we're reading the Bible, this is why you must be prepared. There's a guy named Jordan Peterson. I've mentioned him from the pulpit a thousand times. What I love about him, he's always ready with the answer. And it's experiential. It's wisdom. He's always, he always far and exceeds. He goes and he talks to all these Harvard Oxford graduates, and they ask him these questions. And he answers them with so much information, so much knowledge, he just, they just walk away going, oh. <laughs> you want to be like that. Be prepared. If you're going to do something, do it right, or don't do it at all. My father used to always say to me, I don't care if you're a truck driver, a garbage, I don't care what you, be the best. Don't be, you can be anything you want, my father used to always say, but don't be mediocre. Verse 11. Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. Before we read what looks like to be a connected verse, verse 11, think about that, which is very interesting because if you were here on Sunday, we looked at James chapter 5 and there was that verse in James chapter 5 that if one turns away from the truth and you turn them back, you 
Save a soul from death and you cover a multitude of sins. Remember? This is the same thing. This is the encouragement. This is what the Bible calls the exhortation. Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you're a, a, a parent here or a teacher especially, you have this view of multiple people that's over you. If you have multiple, me and my wife have six kids. And now we have seven grandkids. And you can look at them. You look out over the sea that is your kids, especially if you're a teacher and you look out, you could see those who are drawn toward death. You could see those who are stumbling toward the slaughter. Don't do nothing about it. Do something about it. Take the responsibility. Go get them now. Go get them now. We've been talking a lot about this. If you're a parent here and your kids are around, and ask, ask the people that are taking care of them. Ask the, the leaders of the church. Hey, what do you see when you look at my kids? What do you see? Man, I see, Nikki, since you asked me before we came in that I can use you, Holly. I see two young gentlemen, good self-control. When they're in church, they behave themselves. They're quiet, they're respectful. You guys are not ever going to step out of line because I will smash you. <laughs> I'm serious, though. You guys are really good examples, and I'm proud of you both. You've, you've become fine young men, and we give jujitsu all the credit and God all the praise. I'm halfway teasing, but this is what we must do. And I can't tell you how many times we've taken parents aside and said, hey, listen, and your kid, and I'm paraphrasing, is stumbling to the slaughter. And they leave. Okay. Back in the day when Austin was first being, and he's not here, so we'll talk about him. When Austin, first, when we first made him the youth pastor, and he would come to me, and he always, he's, Austin was so good about asking questions as a, as a young pastor. And I'd say, you know, you got to talk to the parents, man. Oh, but, you know, I don't want to... You can't be afraid to give bad news. It's better, and there's a, a great Bible verse that says, um, no, no, that, that's definitely a good one, but there's one that says, he who rebukes finds more favor afterward than he who flatters with the tongue. And, and, and he had to learn that lesson. But I also had to teach him as a pastor Every kid that's ever gone, that was ever part of his youth group, that fell away, and I'm just going to say it, all the parents always blamed him. Oh, he was supposed to be their pastor. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. He's their pastor. He's not their parent. I mean, what do, you, what do you want from the kid? And he took that hard. He really did in the early days. You know, when, 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 when kids fell away, man, he, he just wanted to go out and get them all and bring them back. And, and I'd have to tell it's, it's over, bro. You did, all, you, you did what you can do. Let God do his thing now. It's your parents' responsibility. You did. I've, I've often told you guys this thing. I said, listen, we are so blessed right now. Right now. There's people over there taking care of our kids. My kids. My grandkids are over there. And somebody is pouring God's word into them. Do you understand who the heck is going to do that? Outside in the world? 
Man, you pick your kid up. Just give him a heartfelt thank you. Thank you so much. Because... So when they do, you, you appreciate it, man, that there's somebody else co-laboring with you, even if it's just for a couple hours a week. Anyway, but the connecting verse is interesting. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? Now, given that it's kind of attached to 11, it can or it can't be, and it doesn't matter. It still works, and that's the wonder. Did you have a question? Just scratching your arm? Oh, I didn't know the kid was going bad. Yeah? I know five people that told you your kid was going bad. Does not he who weigh the hearts consider it? He watches over your soul. Does he not know this? And will he not render to each one according to their deeds? It's kind of a scary verse because you could apply it to anything. It, it reminds me of a verse. There's a verse in Isaiah. I'm sorry. I believe it's Ezekiel. It's Ezekiel, Isaiah. My brain is, is kind of breaking down in these last couple of years. Um, it says, if you're the watchman on the wall and you see that the town is being attacked and you don't say nothing, God says, I'm going to hold you accountable. But if you say something... You are, what the Bible says, free from the blood. That's Isaiah or Ezekiel? Does anybody remember? Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Thank you. You're going to be the watchman on the wall. The best you can do is say something. But saying nothing, here's what you're going to get. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? That'll chill your spine a minute. Verse 13, my son, eat honey because it is good, and the honeycomb which is sweet to your taste. Here, he does something very interesting. It's almost like, again, we did this a couple weeks ago. Visualize this now. Because a lot of times the best way to apply a Bible verse first if you don't understand, especially, visualize the verse. So imagine somebody sitting there, and he says, okay, listen, open your mouth, taste that. That's honey. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, I like honey. Local honey? Because I hope local honey is good for your allergies. Yes, local honey. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul. And if you have found it, there's a prospect, and your hope will not be cut off. You get that? How do you tell a kid how important knowledge is? How do I explain to somebody who's never read the Proverbs how amazing the Proverbs are? He says, I know. Sit down. Open your mouth. How's that? Damn, ooh, that's sweet, that honey. Mm, I love that honey. That's how knowledge is to your soul. And more than that, when you find it, it's like a prospect. It's like a beginning and a latter end. And your hope will never be cut off when you have knowledge and wisdom. There's always hope when you have wisdom. Love that verse. Isn't that a great verse, the way he does that there? Open your mouth. Taste that. That's what knowledge is to your soul. Cool, huh? Cool the way he did that. His literary style was so amazing. 
Verse 15, do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. <coughs> now, there's a weird thing that happens here. Who is he writing this to? Wicked men aren't reading the Bible. So obviously the encouragement is to you, hey, listen, don't worry about it. God's watching over. You might fall seven times, but you're going to rise again. And that guy that's sitting at your gate, you ever had, has anybody ever had been delivered like, um, what, what, what are those guys called that, that bring you like the, uh, huh? No. No. No, 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 no. When you get like, when you're getting sued or something, or you, a court. What are they called? Process, process server. They show up at your gate, and you're like, what do you want? Hey, are you Ryan Gitman? Who are you? I have something for you. What do you, what do you, what do you want? Here. Like, oh, you, you got me. I had them install this gate at my house, like when we first moved in, like six years ago. They did a horrible, they hired a, like a handyman who didn't have a hot, hot, I had to replace the whole thing. The guy wanted like an extra 5,000. I was like, no, I ain't giving you another 5,000. You did a crappy job in the first time. He sued me. He sued me and won. Process server showed up. Hi, are you Ryan Gibbon? Yeah, I got something. You're like, oh, man, there was a check. <laughs> Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. For the righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked, they fall by calamity. The encouragement is not a warning to the wicked, guys. It's an exhortation to us. Like, don't worry about it. Even that process server, he'll get what he's got coming to him. You will. Um, I love this verse, and I hate it all at the same time. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. Me and you talking about this today? I think me and you, we're talking about this in the morning in the gym. Yeah, we did. Me and you were talking about that. Do not let don't let God see you be happy. If you have an enemy, somebody that you hate, somebody that you, you've been at odds with, and all of a sudden his time comes, ha, you get what you got coming. God's going to go, really? No, he, and this is not what it says. It doesn't say he's going to get him. He's going to watch this. I just took the pressure off of him. Now what? He said he's going to turn away his wrath. No, you're happy about that? And I love the spiritual implication here is, listen, Pastor John Chanel used to always say to me, you know when you know you're a real Christian? You know when you know you're a real Christian when you don't want your worst enemy to go to hell. Because hell is that bad and God is that good. Even your worst enemy, you don't want to go there. All of the calamity, all of the pain, all of the trouble and horror that God allows into the hearts of men, into the lives of men and women, 
are for one purpose and one purpose only. You know what that is? To get them to come to him. To get them to love God. And like I said, that's why I say I love this verse and hate it all at the same time. Because we think God's on our side and he's against all our enemies, right? Well, he's being mean to me and I'm God's child. And there was also a guy named Joshua who thought the same thing. Joshua was on a mountaintop climbing, crawling, and he comes across the prince of the Lord's army. None other than a pre-incarnate form. None other than what the Bible scholars call a Christophany. And he looks up to him and he goes, are you friend or foe? Neither. I'm prince of the Lord's army. Yeah, but wasn't, wasn't Joshua an Israelite? I, yeah, but don't ever forget. The, the, the Israelites were given the same charge that we as Christians were given. It's to share his love with as many as possible. And the reason God turned away from the Jews and put them in the back is because they missed it. They stopped doing that. They decided that this was going to be something for them. They were the special ones. They were supposed to be a priest, a nation of priests, sharing the love of God with those. And this verse so reminds us of that. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and it displease him and he turn away his wrath from him. Verse 19, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked, for there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. This goes right in with 19, uh, I'm sorry, with 17 and 18. He says, listen, don't worry when evil men prosper, and don't be envious of them. Listen, don't you know their end? My buddy used to always tell me, Ryan, Drug dealers and gangsters and mobsters, they don't retire. They die. They get killed or they spend their days in jail. Don't be envious. Don't look at that. Like I used to always say this to kids. And kids want to do all this rap stuff and, and, and talk about this guy and sing this guy. It's like, look, Biggie Smalls, Tupac Shakur, these guys died in their early 20s. You want to emulate them? Remember, for me, it was Jim Morrison, it was Jimi Hendrix, it was Janis Joplin. We sang their music. We wanted so badly to be like them. And it's like it never occurred. It's like stunads. It's an Italian word. It means stupid. Stunads. These guys died early. You want to die early? No. What are you going to do different from them? You understand that point? Young brothers, you get that? You're going to emulate somebody. Emulate somebody who lived long, got a lot of money, was a happy family. It always flips me out when I, it, it, my, 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 my wife and daughters hate it. When we, they watch all these shows and they see um, the, these young kids come on and sing and you're like, oh, they're going to be a star. Well, just, that ends their life. They're destroyed now. You can name on, on one hand how many big rock stars and movie stars stay married more than a couple years. What happens to their kids? How messed up are their kids? One of the biggest movie stars in the world, Tom Hanks. You ever see his kid? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love verse 21. Here, here this, is, this is another one of um, 
Solomon's attempts to be funny. My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly. And who knows the ruin those two can bring? Let me explain it to you so you understand. He says, my son, love God, obey the king. When they tell you they've got a new religion, stay away from them. When they tell you the king is bad, we should rebel against him, stay away from them. Because those people, their calamity, their trouble will rise suddenly. And do you know what kind of trouble the king and God can do in your life? I want you now to think about who he's talking about here, right? And who knows the ruin those two can bring? He's talking about the king and God. Yeah, they could bring some ruin on your life. Now, you might be hearing me say, yeah, but look at our government in this day and age. Listen, I know that this sounds weird coming from me. I'm the first one that wants to rise up with arms against the government. But that's not our calling as Christians, guys. We can obey and disobey civilly, but I'm sorry, as Christians, whether we like it or not, man, it ain't our job to rise up with arms against them. Now, it is our job to protect our families. Make no mistake about that. They come to my house looking for, looking for a fight, they will find one. But in the arena of politics, in the arena of business, in the arena of even church, they come here, you know, hey, you're preaching, and here's how it's going to work in the, in the end times, right? The Bible will be eventually banned, and it's coming soon, because it says that homosexuality is a sin. Like, well, it is a sin, and so is pride, and so is greed, and so, you know, frivolity. These things are sin. We, that's why we all need a Savior. But they don't care about those other things, because that's what they are. They're going to say you cannot preach from the book of Romans, chapter 1, because it says that homosexuality is a sin. And I'm going to say, I'm sorry, that's a part of the Bible. And eventually, whether it's me or whoever takes my place after I'm gone, hopefully we get raptured together, who knows, they're going to come here with handcuffs. Now, we could all come here armed and go, nope, you're not taking us away, where this is what we do. That's not our call. Yeah, but... It's not our call. Remember what we looked at on Sunday? Do you remember how Christ was crucified? He put his hand down on the cross. They didn't have to pull it, grab it, tie a rope around it. He willingly put his hand on the cross. He opened not his mouth, the Bible says. He didn't revile for reviling. It's a crazy thing. And, and I'm telling you guys, there ain't no doubt about it. This isn't a maybe. This isn't, well, maybe Trump will get reelected. This is the end times. You've heard of the sign of the times? Forget about the sign of the times. These are the times of the signs. The Lord Jesus said to the Pharisees, you idiot, you fool. You could look at the sky and say it's dark and it's going to be, and the wind is coming from the west and it's going to be a rainy day. But you can't discern the sign of the times? This is it for us, guys. This generation's not passing away. It's over. When we go, 
and we are going soon to get raptured, it's going to be from what's happening right now. Governments are rising up in tyranny all over the world. If you haven't seen that story in the Netherlands, a portion of the population is taking a chip already. They've willingly chosen to implant a chip in their body that has their personal information in it, willingly. Was it Sweden or Netherlands? Huh? It's the Netherlands. Guys, it's, it's insane. And you know, about a year and a half ago, me and Marty were listening to J.D. Farag, remember? And J.D. Farag said, this is it. This is the end of it. J.D. Farag is a, uh, he's a preacher from, uh, it's a Calvary Chapel in Hawaii. And he, every Sunday night, he does a um, prophecy update. And he said, this is it, guys, this is it. And Marty listened to it, I listened to it. And I called Ken and I said, Ken Gray's my pastor in, in Maine. And I said, hey, bro, what do you think of this guy, J.D. Farag? He said, well, I met the guy. He's a straight up guy. He said, did you listen to this teaching? He goes, yeah, I did. He said, what do you, I said, what do you think of it? He goes, well, he's certainly putting his neck out there because a lot of the things that he said, if they don't come to pass, he's a false teacher. And me and him both now admit he ain't a false teacher. He was dead right what they're going to do. He was dead right. They're doing everything he said they were going to do. Anyway, what's our job? Share the gospel. Keep walking forward. Put our hand down on the cross. That's our job. It's not to store food and take up arms and, and stockpile weaponry. That's not, we ain't going to be here, guys. In case you don't know this, in case you're new to scriptures, we, the church, are getting raptured out of here. We ain't appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, at the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the trumpet, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are remain, we who remain will be caught up in the air to meet the Lord, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, the Apostle Paul wrote, Comfort one another with these words. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to comfort you. Don't worry. We ain't going to be here. We ain't going to see the Antichrist. Do you know that? Read the book of Revelation, hear about all the Antichrist. Guess what? Christian, you're not going to be here. It don't matter. How do you know? I just made it up. Fear the Lord and the King. Do not associate with those given to change for their calamity will rise suddenly. And who knows the ruin God and the king can bring in your life. You think, <laughs> you guys got that? I mean, imagine if, the, imagine if you, 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 you aggravate the king. He could throw you in, he could lock you in a room and throw away the room. Imagine if you aggravate God. What kind of ruin he could bring on your life. There you go. Yep, you know it. Continuing, verse 23. For these things also belong to the wise. It is not good to show partiality in judgment. Before we read verse 24, very, very big verse in the book of Leviticus that you should never show partiality to one because he is poor or because he is rich. Don't play favorites. Just because somebody comes in here and they might be homeless or poor, if they're a jerk, they're a jerk and they need to be put in line if they're rich, don't give them, oh, you know, 
sit here. You know, we don't do that. That's not how we do. He says, very important as a, as, a, uh, as a wisdom verse as well. It is not good to show partiality in judgment. And then, seemingly connected, he who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse. Anybody watch CNN lately? I don't think you could ever imagine the depths of lying that the media does now for this guy that they elected king. It is the sickest thing in the world. Never in, would you have ever imagined that inflation is a good thing until you watch MSNBC. Oh, inflation's good. We all got lots more money. But the money's not worth what it used to be. That's why a house my son-in-law bought 10 years ago for 100,000 is now selling for 350,000. Yeah, you got more money. You see, you see the point? He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, the people will curse, nations will abhor him. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight and a good blessing will come upon them. But don't think that verse 24 and 25 don't apply to 17 and 18 and 19 and 20. Listen to me. Some of you are going to get thrown in jail. My future in this world, in the end, before I get raptured, it's not good. I maybe have a good delight and a blessing coming upon me, but in the meanwhile, the world's going to hate you, Christian. Don't be surprised because it hated Christ first. The Lord Jesus said, if they hated you, know that they hated me first. Woe, the Bible says, the Lord Jesus doing the speaking, woe unto you when men speak well of you. For they spoke well of the false prophets. Mm. He who gives a right answer kisses the lips. That's why my wife gets kissed so much. Obviously, the uh, implication there is when you give somebody solid wisdom, you know, thus says the word of the Lord. While I'm going through this crazy situation now, here's what the Bible says about that. Now, the visual, the picture is you just kiss the guy, on, you just kiss the person on the lips. Not in a sexual manner, just mwah. You give them good wisdom, you give them sound advice, it's like giving them a big old smooch. You guys got the point there. Prepare your outside work, make it fit for yourself in the field, and afterward, build your house. Now, from a, a, a contractor's perspective, you don't build the house before you clear the land. That's silly. But the application spiritually, emotionally, you could apply this physically. Again, let's use these things symbolically speaking. Prepare your outside work. Hey, before you go running a marathon, why don't you start running 5K? Why don't you start running? Prepare your outside work. Make it fit for yourself in the field. And then afterward, you could go run in marathons. You could apply this verse to any area. And I guess it's the whole Boy Scout thing. Just be prepared, man. Be prepared. Don't put the cart before the horse. Relax. It'll happen. 
Now, I actually know a friend of mine that read this verse and took it literally. He had bought some property and he was looking to buy, he was looking to build a house and he was so more interested in, in the design of the house that he didn't prepare the land. Found out that he couldn't build it there because it wouldn't pert, you guys that know what I'm, you know, wouldn't pert out there, wouldn't pert out. And he, he read this verse and he's like, I've been so foolish. He put the, the whole idea of the house aside and first he made it fit for himself in the field, prepared his outside work, then he built the house. He's like, man, the Bible's so smart. Like, Indeed it is. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause, for would you deceive with your lips? Do not say, I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause. Would you deceive with your lips? Do not say to him, let me give you an example. This is, cra this is crazy. And I'm actually going to finish on time. When we first moved into the house we were in, so we, we got this property here, and then next door, this property was for rent. And we were finally closing on it, and I didn't know it had a, uh, uh, an internet line that ran across the property, but the phone company didn't bury it. They just left it on the ground with some orange wires attached to it. I kept trying to move it out of the way, but as we were developing, it broke. So the guy comes around and goes, hey, um, you broke my cable. I said, man, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to be careful, but let me tell you, you need to, I suggest you find another cable provider or from the other side because I'm developing the property now. Well, this happened like three times. Eventually, the city started coming out. Florida Wildlife came out. I had like five different... And one of the guys that showed up is a friend of mine. And he goes, I'm not telling you, but your neighbor, I'm not telling you which one, he called us. I was like, and a dude walked by my house with his dog every day. And as soon as I heard that, man, this mousy little, oh, I want it. I was like, look, dude, I let you run a wire across my property for a year. My property. I'm trying to develop it. And we're so careful. We moved it. We moved. And you called and reported me to the city, to the county, Florida Wild. You little mutt. I didn't say that to him, but just saying it to you made me feel better. <laughs> no, you know, I just ignored it. I just, I just, I was like hoping the Lord would look upon his, his cursing at me and, and, and think well of me. I, I didn't. And this is exactly the application here. Again, now having told you that story, listen to the application. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause. For would you deceive with your lips? Do not say, I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render the man according to his work. Don't do that. There's no reason. God will fight your battle. God is going to take care of it. God is watching over you. There's no reason for me to bring trouble into this guy's life. Listen, I've seen his wife. He's miserable enough as it is. He doesn't need my help. Does not need my help. Application? You decide. And let me tell you, when you get this verse down, it's big.
this will change your life, especially if you are of the ilk of the pattern of the fabric that I am that loves to tell people where it's at. Oh, I'm going to tell that guy. And when you could stop doing that and just, nope, God will reward those who, and let's hope that the guy gets saved. I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't want to be that. I got so many guys in business now that I've taken this lesson and applied it to business. You ask, you ask Cole, we, we got so many customers. Every time the same customers, we send them. I send them 100 frogs every time, 8 to 10 are dead. Can you send me a picture? Uh, yeah, I'll have them do it tomorrow. Like, dude, every time. Now, you have the option. You could confront them. You can do the same thing when they send you a shipment. Or I'm leaving it in the Lord's hands. And I've learned the only way to make your money back in these people is just keep doing business with them. It's the only way to make your money back. Another application. And this is what I said to you at the beginning of the Bible. So you've got to find these applications. You've got to look for them in your life and apply them. And when you do, if you're not sure it fits, don't be afraid to ask somebody. Get some counsel from somebody. Hey, you know, here's the situation in my life, and I was going to apply this verse to it. Because let me tell you something. There's nothing worse than applying the wrong verse to the wrong situation and getting bad results and going, but I don't understand. We're going through this family thing with family that lives in another state. And one of my daughters confronted them straight up and said, hey, listen, here's some Bible verses for you. Well, they sent back, you judge me. We're not judging. My daughter tried to help her. Well, here's the verses I got. And the verses that she sent to Elena, you're like, ooh. The verses she sent to my, my daughter, you're scratching your head like, where did you get that? That doesn't fit at all. Somebody's giving you bad counsel. So the point is, when you got a verse and you want to apply it to your life, make sure you get a little bit of counsel. Remember, there's three ways that you make a decision in your life. Three ways. Number one, number one, by the word. Number two, by the counsel of God's people. And number three, by the Spirit. Shouldn't the Spirit be first? Not in these situations. Why? Because the Spirit and the feeling will confuse you. That's why the body, the soul, and the Spirit are often confused. Your emotions will sometimes tell you it's your Spirit. Well, I was singing about moving to California. Why? Well, I got offered a million-dollar job. Yeah, we better pray this one through together. I, I really feel like it's the Lord. <laughs> Bet you do. I met this guy online. It's the craziest thing. Where is he from? Nigeria. Hmm. Look how cute he is. Yeah, he's gorgeous. I think it's the Lord. And lastly, the last four verses are all connected. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. Before I read verse 32 through 34, listen. In that day and age, these were the things that were important. Your, your vineyard. That's where you got your 
grapes, that's where you made your wine, that's where you grew your herbs and vegetables, this was your vineyard. And here, you could apply this to your home, to your vehicle, to your business. I went by the business of a lazy man and the vineyard of a foolish and the home of a foolish man. And I saw it. And it was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with ragweed, whatever. When I looked, I saw it, I thought about it. And then I got instruction for myself. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Wow. Wow. That escalates fast, man. He says, you know, hey, I'm sorry. I'm just tired. I, I, I got up early. Let me just, just get a quick 15, you know, it's time to get up. It's, it's, it's 9 o'clock. It's time to get up. 9 o'clock, it's time to get up. Yeah, I, you know, I stayed up late last night. Well, I know you stayed up late last night. It's time to get up. Little sleep. Just a little sleep, little sleep, quick nap. Little slumber. Little folding of hands to rest. And your poverty comes on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. You guys see that? Very, very interesting. The Bible says in another place, do not love sleep. Now, Pastor, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you just tell us the other week you should get about eight hours of sleep? Yeah, absolutely, I did that. Guess what? What you should do is stop trolling the internet all night or watching TV or binging out on whatever it is that you're binging out on. Get your sleep, go to bed a little earlier. Wake up, take care of your business. Pastor um, Don Dukes used to say, I used to love when he said this, he goes, you're always praying you want a bigger house. You're always praying you want a bigger house. You don't take care of the little house you got, no. Why should God give you a big house? I love when he used to say that. Good stuff tonight, huh? Yeah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, the wisdom, the counsel, the applications of your word. I pray that if anybody's here, would receive your word with gladness, that it, that it was a, a word of prophesying over their life, a, a prophetic word to change them, to change us. God, and if there's something in my life you want me to apply this to, please, without hesitation, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Without hesitation, my spirit is the lamp of the Lord. Father God, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters. May the blessing of the Lord be upon them in their homes, God with wisdom, with understanding, and with knowledge, they'd be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. In Christ's name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys.